And once again, I'm here flying solo for an in-between show. Now, this one might be a little bit longer than some of the ones I've done before because uh, I've got quite a few things to cover off, actually. Uh, First of all, we've got a uh, special two-part interview with uh, Jamie Lowe's, the developer of the recently released Chopper Mic. I did the first part a few months ago now, and the second part I did just last week, the day before the game came out. So um, that could be a little bit different. I'll see what you think about that. Uh, The next thing I've got to cover off... um, there's a game that's literally just been released today, um, that's the 25th of March when this should be coming out. That's a game called Puck, another indie one, um, so I'll be talking about that after the interviews. And then towards the end of the show I need to cover off what's been going on for far too long now, once again, is the Ninja Challenge. So I'm going to bring the old one to a close, uh, find out who the winner of that is, and then uh, set your new Ninja Challenge. So uh, buckle up and let's go for it. Uh, starting off, as I said, with the interview... So here comes the fantastic indie jingle and a two-part interview. Okay, this is another one of our uh, indie spotlight interviews, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome, on the other end of the Skype line, Jamie Lowe's. Oh, hi. How's it going? Yeah, it's good, thanks, mate. Um, thanks for coming on. For any of you who doesn't know, um, Jamie's an indie developer, and we've seen him around uh, Twitter a few times, and... Um, He's currently working on a game called uh, Chopper Mike, which I'm having the great pleasure of testing for you. To start us off, mate, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and some of the things you've worked on in the past? Yeah, no problem. Uh, Well, I started working in games in 1997. I started at Codemasters, and the first game I worked on was uh, Colin McRae Rally. Oh, wow, that's a good start. Not not too bad, yeah. Uh, So I worked on that, then we worked on number two, and then number three, uh, but at that point, I went from being a programmer to sort of a sort of half programmer, half designer. So that was quite cool. And I started working more on the control, like on the actual sort of tire model and things like that, like the way the car moved over the ground. Um, after that, I, I moved on to another studio and, and did a more, more sort of low level stuff, like less gameplay. Although we did do a demo that was a little karting demo, sort of like a Mario Kart thing, uh, and I did all the gameplay on that as well. So, wow. uh, so yeah. So at that point, it became I don't know. Thing is, you work in games, and you don't always get to work on the gameplay, which sort of sounds weird, but it is kind of true because I would say most of the programmers out there don't work on gameplay; they work on things like menus and. All sorts of stuff, like saving and just all the backup systems. So All the boring stuff. Well, it's, it's not boring, because all of it's a challenge. Like, yeah. you know, you've got a deadline, you've got to get it done. Uh, but it's not, it's not gameplay so much as it's making games. So it was at that kind of point that I was like, well, actually, I'm, I'm having quite a lot of fun making games. But that, that studio fell to pieces. Uh, and I went back to Codemasters for a little bit and did more sort of technology stuff. But then they started up the Sega studio, the Sega Racing studio. 
I guess it was just the right timing and I was available and I went off and we started that up. There was like six of us or something. And uh, we worked on the technology for what was going to be years of racing games, uh, but actually only turned out to be Sega Rally. (laughs) Okay. But I worked on the, the base technology of that then sort of all the way through the systems, the tools and stuff, and I ended up working on the exact, just me and a physics programmer working on the handling of the game. So Sega Rally Revo that came out, and then the arcade game as well, I did the, I was sort of like sat between, well not physically sat between, but uh, you had the producer who had the idea of what he wanted, you had the physics programmer, who did all the mathematics and stuff. And then there was me in between, sort of uh, working between to get the kind of feel of the game. So that that's probably my favourite role I've had so far, uh, in that it was just pure gameplay. Moving from full-time employment to indie stuff, it, it feels like that again, in that I'm working on my gameplay. I'm, it's up to me. If the game plays well then it's stuff that I've done, and it was the same sort of thing back then. But yeah, since then, worked at a few more studios. I worked at uh, Big Big uh, Studios, and we worked on was well, Motorstorm a little bit. I didn't really work on the gameplay on that. Then moved on to Little Deviants. I was the lead program on that, but again, it's almost like the higher up you get, the less you have to do with the game. And it's like... Well, I did work on the game, but none of the the bits that play anything to do with me really. It's the people, the the programmers and the designers who were to do with that. So, yeah, it's kind of nice now in that uh, I've turned freelance and indie. So I go to places and do work for them in the day to make money, and then at night I go and make my game and I make all the decisions. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all my fault. <laughs> Well, it sounds fantastic. You had some really good experiences there, and uh, thanks for sharing those with us. Talking about controls and stuff, you can obviously tell from what I've seen of Chopper Mike so far. Obviously, you've got a demo up on your website and stuff. Yeah. Then you can tell that you're all about the controls because um, the controls on this game, to me, just feel really spot on. You can tell that it's somebody who knows what they're talking about with uh, the way games should be controlled. Well, well thank you. Um... The thing is, this is a game, it's, it's based on physics. And first of all, it's, it's, a, it's a game that's written in Unity. And the funny thing is, Unity uses physics, or however you uh, pronounce that. Uh, and the person that I used to sit next to at Sega, the racing studio, uh, he's gone off to work for physics. So he's making the physics for my game, even though we're not talking to each other. But... Yeah, everything's working working out nicely. The thing with physics is that it's very difficult to make it all smooth and not glitchy, and I it just takes time. I think you you play with it, and it's all it's all to do with damping things, but not too much. But yeah, too much to go into now. But it, you you need to play with it a lot, and. Uh, but there's people out there, a lot of the threads that I see on indie games are about 2D games. And I think people think that that's simpler, but there's something about making 3D physics games that once you actually, once it clicks, it's very straightforward. 
and you can make some really rich sort of gameplay without too much work because it just works because once all the collisions and the physics are working it's working for you you're just you're doing simple little things and simple little controls but it has to be very smooth and very subtle otherwise it all goes all over the place and starts going mad if that makes any sense yeah certainly um What's it been like translating across from, I presume, like programming in languages like C and C plus and all those traditional sort of languages? What's the transition like going into something like Unity and and changing across and making games for these mobile devices? Has it been much of a change, or has it just been a, a challenge you've relished? Well, the thing is, so I use uh, C sharp for my scripting, uh, which is there's like three different things you can use in Unity. There's Java. C-sharp, and uh, something called Boo, which I don't really know what that is, but I'm sure it's just as good. But C-sharp, I've used before for things like tools, and it's really good for making tools, and it's also really good for scripting. But my my approach to it, from being uh, you know somebody who knows C++ quite well, is I kind of just write in C++ until something doesn't compile, and if it doesn't quite work how I think, then I'll just Google it and see what's going on. Because it's so similar, then most of it looks the same and works the same. There's just certain little things. So it's it's almost sort of uh, no no problem. Okay, like second nature then, really? Uh, kind of, but there's certain things. And also, I was really helped out because the last place I worked, there was someone uh, who who knew uh, C-sharp inside and out. So it's kind of every now and again I get stuck and just uh, email him a few things and go, what, what's this? And he'd go, oh, just do this. And he'd know because he knew C, C++ and C-sharp, then immediately it's the same old problems because everyone's gone from, well, probably not now, but at that time most people who did C++ then moved on to C-sharp. So I guess not as applicable to people who are just starting out in C-sharp. So I've talked briefly about Chopper Mike. Um, could you tell us more about the game and um, what, influenced you, what influenced you to make um, a helicopter game like that? Well, I started out, I think it was, I downloaded Unity and just started playing around with what it would do. And I don't know, there seems to be a lot of people online who make helicopter games, so it's almost like that's the first thing you think of doing. But what I did, I made a little cube that when you touch the screen would fly up in the air and i've played a lot of like touchscreen games and i i wasn't really all that happy with the controls so what i wanted to do initially was make a game that it would work from a single touch i thought this is the simplest this you can strip it down to just touching the screen and so all it was was a cube and a few little things to bump into and when you touch the screen, it would rise up off the ground. And depending where you touch on the screen, it would move towards where your finger was. Um, that was that was the initial thing. And uh, my boy, Toby, called it Helicube with a Q. Um, and that was game, really. And it really was just a cube. that it, it would hit things and just spin around and do all sorts of stupid things. And then eventually we were like, well, maybe we'll make it into a helicopter and stuff like that. So, yeah, that... It, it, it grew arms and legs after that. And rotors. Rotors, <laughs> yes. So it all comes from the gameplay. So 
we had the cube and it was flying around. That was cool. Then it's like, okay, well, we need to we need to put a little we need to put a character in there. So I went into Blender. Now I'm a programmer, and Blender is a 3D modeling program. And so I'm like, right, okay, how can I make a character without it being absolutely the worst thing ever? I thought back to like children's kind of uh, TV sets where there wasn't much there, but all all of the elements in it were sort of considered and designed. And that's kind of the the look that I've gone for. Although I have to say right now, as of today, that the worst part of all of it is the actual character. The uh, I like the helicopter. I like all the rotors. I like the little segments on the uh, levels. But the actual character himself, I really need to redo him or add a bit more quality to him. So uh, don't judge him right now. <laughs> uh, so we had the character in, and he was flying over the stuff. And then, it, well, it needed a purpose. And a really simple thing, I was, I was just thinking like a, a sort of Mario thing. In, there's a goal. But with a helicopter game, I didn't, I didn't want to make it straight, go left to right and go past something or other. I definitely wanted to make it quite three-dimensional. It is left to right, but uh, that's just sort of some sort of convention. So, you know, the goal's always over there. But I wanted it to move in and out as well, just to make it more 3D and cool. But that adds a lot of problems as well, because you... You put uh, so tall things, if they're near the camera, then you can go behind them, which obviously isn't the coolest. I also think it's not too important because the game's so fast and the whole point of it is you play it and you go, oh, you know, I've, I've played it 10 seconds, I've gone wrong, you just hit restart. It's almost like sort of Trials HD kind of thing in that, you're not too bothered. You just keep playing and go, up, oh, wrong, restart, up, oh, wrong, restart, or oh, I think I've got, oh, no, I just missed the target time, that sort of thing. And it's sort of instant replayable. Play it as much as you want and try to get all your times down as minimal as possible. But, yeah, um, I really can't remember the original question, but I've <laughs> Yeah, I get the uh, similarities with something like Trials, the um, the one more try sort of mentality that you get when you're playing the game. On each of the levels, you've got a target of doing the time, I think, um, a target of flying through cleanly, and a target of picking up all the uh, collectibles. So those three things, that you're trying to um, meet those targets each time through the levels. And The three things are, well, the idea is you get stars. And you get one star per level for completing it. So that's no matter how badly you do or how slow you are, if you finish the level, like get all the gems and hit the pad, then you get a star. Then if you also do that without colliding with anything, you get another star. Uh, and if you, do, if you don't collide and you collect everything, hit the pad, within the target time you get the third star so each level has three stars so it's kind of like it's a mario kart where you get graded on how well you did the problem was i set this up and it's been on test flight and i've got some people playing it and there's no way of of making a game where everybody will feel like it's fair or 
will feel like there's some sort of challenge because I've had people who have said, oh, this, this game's impossible. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of not. You just got, <laughs> just got to kind of play it. Um, but then at the same time, I've had people who said, well, it's a bit too easy. I went through all the levels and I did them all first time. And these, this is the problem. Uh, it's the same as when I was playing uh, or making, like say, Sega Rally and Colin McRae. Especially Colin McRae, we used to make the game, we'd make the hard times. The hard times were harder than anyone had actually played in the company because we knew there would always be people who would be able to beat them. And it's kind of the same thing. Although, I mean, at the moment, I would say all of the difficulties are hard or like ridiculous. Also, some of the levels are slightly out of place in that you get really hard ones quite early on. Uh, but what I'm going to do is change it so that the easy levels are obviously easy and that they'll stay easy for the whole thing. So if you give the game to, say, your six-year-old kid, then they'll be able to play easy. They'll fly around, kick up, um, uh, pick up the gems and land on stuff, and that's cool. But if you want to be able to play it, hard because i want to make proper challenging games at the same time uh you put on hard it'll be like how it is now and it's it really is like uh, you look at a level and it says right okay all you got to do is go over one block and land on the landing pad like pick up one gem on the way but there's there's like hundreds of seconds uh in difference between a good and a bad run and um, for me, that that's what I'm interested in. I want to play. I want to make really cool games that are just down to the absolute sort of tiny percentages. And you're playing it. It's like uh, you're sweating. Like I've I've got to get around this, or you're swearing at it. Like finding quicker routes through the levels and things like that. And you're like, that's impossible. Like the first time you play some of the harder levels, I want people to think that's absolutely impossible. But they figure it out and then they start doing it. And so then when they actually do it, they feel they've done something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, are you going to be building in any um, like game center integration for leaderboards and stuff to try and push that um, and get people to uh, push themselves a bit harder on the levels and stuff? Yeah. What, so what I'm going to do, uh, I've, I've bought a plug-in for our game center just to make it simpler. But what I'm going to do is add... Once you've done all of the levels in a difficulty, like easy, normal, and hard, then it'll add up all your times into, say, for easy or for normal or for hard, this is your time of all the levels added together, and that'll go on a leaderboard. Um, then what I thought I'd do is add all of those together. So if you've done all three, you'd add that together, and that's your game time, and then that'll go onto a, one big sort of leaderboard, as in, this is my entire, I've played the whole game, like say doing Mario Kart on 50cc, 100 and 150. You have all the times together and go, there you go, that's the best I can do. And then that's your ultimate time of chopper mic. So, you know, even when you've completed all the levels, you've got all the stars, then there's still something. You can still play all the levels and get all your times down. Yeah, so that adds that replayability, and um, we love a bit of leaderboards on the the console ninjas. We we have these little challenges through Game Center where we all get online and we we put a prize up for the winner who can get the the highest score over a period of two weeks or whatever. So um, that's something we'll definitely look at. That could be really good. Ah, cool. Also, I'd like to put some achievements in, like you know, various whatevers, and there'll be a bonus 
they're not necessarily helicopters, but different sort of aircraft uh, to use in your, uh, well, as you play the game. That sounds brilliant. I like those uh, unlockables. That's really good. So it sounds like you've um, really got a good direction to go with the game. Um, Have you got yourself any sort of target for release, or are you just going to wait until you think it's ready? Initially, I was going to bring it out before Christmas, but... There's a couple of things. First of all, it's not ready uh, because I've had a lot of feedback from people and they've made it's been really useful. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a better game, but I don't want to rush the game out. And <laughs> there's a second thing of lots of big companies will be bringing out their games for Christmas. So I could probably get the game out for Christmas, but it would just be buried under you know all the big things. So I think I'll be aiming for maybe start of February, that sort of time. That sounds, sounds good. We'll, we'll look out for that. We might get you on again once uh, Chopper Mike's a bit closer to release, if that's okay, and um, you can tell us what else you've progressed on there. Yeah. Uh, good luck with it all. Very and um, yeah, hopefully lots of people buy your games and uh, make you a very rich man. Well, I don't know about that, but hopefully <laughs> lots of people will play the games. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Joe. Thanks for coming on. And um, we really appreciate it here on Console Ninjas. Cheers, man. Okay, that was the first part of the interview. As I said, that was from way back in the day when Jamie had a long way to go towards uh, getting the game out. And the second part, as I said, is one that I recorded last week, which was the day before the game actually came out. So I'll see you on the other side of this one. Okay, and welcome back to the second part of my interview. You've uh, obviously heard the first bit and... uh, this is a couple of months or three months or so in the future, um, just before release day for Shop and Mike, and it gives me great pleasure to have back on the line Mr. Jamie Lowe's. Hello, mate. Hello. So, yeah, as I just said, we're almost at launch day. I think it's within the next 24 hours or something uh, Chop and Mike yep. is actually going to be in the hands of the people who are waiting with bated breath, like myself. Yeah. Um, so we've heard what your thoughts were then. Um, I just want to get some thoughts of how the process has gone on since then, where you've gone from and where you've gone to in terms of um, your use of Unity and um, making the game better. I know you've added some loads more mechanics and stuff in there. So um, do you want to give us a bit of a, a rundown of where we've got to in the last couple of months? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a blur, really. So I can't actually remember where we were last time, but I, I, I don't think there were things like the switches and the moving pads I think it was more just sort of levels with obstacles to fly over before. But uh, mainly in our in our design meetings, which is uh, between me and my boy uh, on the way to school or on the way back, <laughs> uh, we're talking, he's generally coming up with things like, oh, it'd be cool to do this and coming out with ridiculous things that wouldn't be cool or not, not feasible. But yeah, a few things. And from using Unity, it's such a productive little environment that you sort of wake up with an idea and think hey it'd be cool to do this uh and you just write down a little note like on a post-it note i saw your post-it yeah i've seen loads of those on twitter (laughs) most of this project has been designed on post-it note and you just stick that somewhere but thing is and then you go off to work for the day because the whole time i've been doing it uh i've been freelancing in the day and then you come back in the evening uh having sort of thought about it in your lunch break or whatever and you get back and Quite a lot of the things I've put in, I mean, it's not the most complicated game I've made, uh, but quite a lot of them, I'll have them in and working by the end of the evening and often just sort of record a quick iPad video and upload it to YouTube, which is quite cool. 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed some of your videos you've, mm-hmm. when you've come up with a new idea and you've uh, posted them up and you've, you've tweeted me to go have a look at this one <laughs> because uh, some of the things have been pretty evil. But um... Well, well it, it, you know, it's a smaller than a massive great console game, but, uh, you know, you've got, you've got to put a bit of challenge in there for a bit of uh, longevity. Of course you have. I'm all about the challenge and uh, I, I really can't wait to start getting those times on the proper leaderboard. Um, obviously, I've been testing the game for you. I've uh, been part of the testing team, which has been really good to get early access to it and um, give you a little bit of feedback here and there. And Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the game and I think people are going to really, really love this game because it is simple, but at the same time, quite complex in, in its um, controls and stuff like that and the fact that you can improve yourself. I know other people have been playing it. What sort of reaction have you had from people when you've taken it to like Game City and uh, other other events as well? Uh, well, from from the events that I go to, it's really difficult going to these events because what I want to do when I turn up, I want to see everybody's game. Uh, but I end up just demoing the game to everybody. Um, but that's that's a different thing. That wasn't even the question. But no, it's been positive. All of it's been positive. Like some people, I went to Unity. Uh, nah, wasn't the London Unity users group? No, it was the Ouya event because it's on there as well uh and that was running on big tv and lots of people saying really nice things about it and generally what i get back from people like on my facebook and people i know friends who are testing it is uh they like it but their children absolutely love it like they're i I don't know if i told you this before so i'm probably repeating myself but i've had people say well my kid likes it so much he's sort of drawing levels for it and things like that it's like that's, that's really that's really cool that, that's good. You, you could probably do um, some kind of competition with people to design their own well, levels I've, and stuff. Yeah, I've been thinking about that sort of thing. Because um, what I would like to do an update or two with uh, the way the game's structured, it's worlds with 16 levels in each one. So I'd like to do maybe an update with another 16 and then another one. So what I could do is run a competition with, sort of, you know, design your levels and I'll, you know, the best one gets put in. That'd be really cool. Well, well, some people have that bit of two-way feedback, yeah, you know, yeah. with people. Uh, but by best one, obviously, I mean the one that's, you know, in any way. Which your boy likes the most. Because obviously he's got he's the, the gold standard for it. If he doesn't like it, he's never going to get in, is it? Well, no, no. Most things run past Tobes. So um, in terms of getting the game out onto the App Store, you've obviously gone through all the uh, process and that. With this being your first one, have you found the whole process of getting it actually published? Uh, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be uh, because, well, I come from a console background where you're trying to get things submitted through Sony and uh, Microsoft. And there's not so much of that stuff. It's just it's more the business part that, you you know, you've got to set up all your iTunes Connect and all the weird things that that entails. And so that was all new. But the actual submission, I submitted it and it came back. Well, it, it waited a week where I got nothing. So you're just like, I hope it's going to come out because I've put the release date on the trailers and things. Um, and then I think I went to bed on the Friday night and I just got an email before going to sleep. And it said, oh, it's changed its status to uh, like being in, you know, actually being tested by somebody. So I thought, oh, OK, so, well, I guess I'll wake up with a yes or a no. And it was just a yes. So, yeah, that was pretty smooth. And, and Google was ridiculous. You just it's it's all automated. Uh, the first one I uploaded, it said, "Oh no, it's not been signed correctly." Then I played around in Unity a bit and uh, uploaded one. I said, "Yep, there you go." So yeah. Well, as easy as that. Oh well, yeah. There's a lot of making 
like banners and stuff for the stores, and they're all different sizes. <laughs> and then I'm starting to put all my stuff on indie game sites like IndieDB, and they want another load of banners that are all a different, just slightly different. So I've got this master file of all different bits in different layers in Photoshop, and I just a day doesn't go by when I'm not going, right, what size do you want this? Okay, move it around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, you've obviously put the hours in, mate. You've, I know you've been working hard on it every night after uh, going to proper work and stuff. Mm. And really, I, I just uh, I, I hope that people take it on board as much as I think they're going to. It's certainly got the potential there. It's certainly the right kind of game to do very well. And uh, I know you're not too confident that it's going to sell loads. <laughs> A bit of beer money will be fine. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we've got our little side bet on as well. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, what's that, 10,000 copies think, sold? Yes, uh, that's, that's the one, yeah. Talking about the uh, Ouya, obviously the, the, there's only a, a select few people who are developing for the platform at the moment. Um, has that got any of its own little um, issues over and above like the normal Android, or is it all pretty standard stuff? Obviously, you're, you're programming for a controller and stuff now. Yeah. Um, how have you found that? Well, um, yeah, the controller, it's it's separate from the normal Unity stuff. There's just some bit that goes into the the sort of base layer of it that passes through what the controller's doing. Um, there was a small issue with that, with the, the way that it was doing something. It was causing a lot of garbage collect, and that was causing it to frame out a lot. Uh, but they've got through that, uh, and so I put that code in uh, Chopper, and it's all working fine. So the only two things that are left, there's because it's going to be running on a TV, it's back to the old thing of uh, the safe zone, so you can't put things near the edges, which yeah. is a bit of a bummer because I've pushed things right out to the edge, so it's you know not in the way. So it's out of the way for fingers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think uh, like things like the pause button and the uh, the restart button, well, they don't even need to be there anymore because it's uh, you know it's going to be on the controller. So we'll get rid of them. Uh, and then probably some of the results or some of the info bars need to be pushed in. So that's, you know, that's, that's not exactly a, a big job. Uh, and then I do. Oh, no, there's another there's another thing. There's three things. Um, I also need to put little button icons on the on screen buttons because at the moment they're touch buttons. Uh, but it needs to have like, a, you know, what the button is that you need to press to do it. And so, again, that's minor. But that's work I need to do for the PC and the Mac. They, they'll have generic buttons like proceed and whatever that you'll map just using the little dialogue at the start. I, I think I've emailed everybody on the internet about Chopper Mike now, so I think I could probably do that. <laughs> every <laughs> single yeah, person. Yeah, I think every single person. So if you didn't get one, then uh, yeah, I missed you. But, you know, you're, you're in the minority. So I'll probably, end of the week, I should have the PC and the Mac and the Ouya having the button bits. Um, and that's nearly all I need to do for PC and Mac. And then the Ouya bit, there's the extra bit where all the games have to be free and they have to have an unlock thing or you can do whatever you want, but you have to be able to play the game for free uh, mm -hmm. through their store. So I need to implement a, well, some kind of system. Of, I don't know, maybe you only get easy or something, but really I'd rather have a selection of the levels through the game like for a bit of variety. And I think I'll put it so that you can see the level. So it'll go through to the preview where it's 3D and spinning around. But it'll just have a, um, sorry, this is, you know, this isn't a very... It's only in the full yeah. version. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, that's, that sounds fair. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just dotting the I's and crossing the T's then, really. Yeah, um, pretty much, yeah. Really close to it. So 
by the time this is out, the uh, App Store version will definitely be out, the iOS version. Yep. The Android version's out as well, you say, the Google version? Yeah, yeah. Well, this, the thing is, uh, with the with the App Store version, you, you set a date, uh, okay. and it just happens. And so, you know, I guess you just keep checking the store to see if it's there, uh, or maybe they email me, I don't know. I've, all this I'll find out. Uh, but with the Google Play, then you, you click on Publish. Um, but I don't know how long that takes to become live. Uh, so I think what I'm going to do is just wait until I see it on Apple and then just click publish. Yep. And there you go. So yeah, sometime tomorrow I'll be F5 in everything. I think, I think the only thing we haven't covered is um, the price point of the game. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, I went with a paid, just a flat paid model, if you want to call it that. It's just a price for a game. So there's there's no in-app purchase or anything. It's just you get the whole game you know do what you want with it uh and there's uh there's the three unlock helicopters in there well aircraft uh and the only way to get those is by actually completing playing the yeah game. playing the game excellent i think that's the best way to go for it well, i um, think so uh like all these models there's lots and lots of talk about different free to play and everything which are all valid models but you have to kind of fit those things to your business and your uh your finances I think they make a lot more sense when you can advertise and get tons and tons of people in, but when it's just me and, you know, I have emailed everybody, but uh, they might not, <laughs> they, they might go into their spam folder, uh, then really it's, it's just a more straightforward, honest, if you like the look of it, there you go, have a go. It probably, probably costs about as much as a loaf of bread, you know. Well, that's fantastic. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap it up there because obviously we had the previous interview before. Yep. So um, I don't want to keep you too long tonight. I know you're uh, really excited and I can I can hear it in your voice a little bit. It's like Christmas Eve, I know. It is. It's the day that I go from sort of being an independent games developer wannabe to published. I'll always have yeah. a game that I made, which is, that's really cool. That is really cool, mm-hmm. man. And uh, I wish you all the best of luck with the launch. and. Thank um you going forward with anything else you do in the future obviously we'll be keeping in touch um i implore everyone who's listening um to tell everyone go and buy chopper mic um on whatever devices it's obviously out on millions of different devices so you can there's no excuse for anybody not to play it and then hopefully we'll uh, hit those ten thousand sales and uh, our little deal will be done (laughs) Uh, i see i see where we're going brilliant well uh i'll see you on the leaderboards uh i'll certainly be trying to get my times down and um once again, thank you, Jamie Lowe's, um, the now published indie game developer, uh, maker of Chopper Mike. Cheers, man. Okay, so there we have it. That's uh, both parts of that interview done. Really interesting to speak to Jamie um, at, at different parts during the development of the game. And if anybody hasn't gone out and bought Chopper Mike yet, I'd say go and spend the money on this game, support the indie developers. Uh, you can guarantee to have a really good time with this game. I might see you on the leaderboards. Who knows? So the second thing I need to cover off in this episode then is my little review of this game uh, called Puck. As I said, it came out today. Okay, so Puck is a game from our friends over at Laser Dog Games. They are a UK independent game design team. This is their first game they've brought out. And uh, it's on the moment, it's on iOS and Android. And essentially, the game is a real triumph of minimalism. So... The premise of the game is, for each of the screens that you come across in the game, you will have a number of pucks across the bottom, and you can fire these pucks using sort of a pull-back and let-go motion. And these pucks will fly around the screen, but what you're aiming to do is to hit the white portals that are placed around the screen. 
Now it starts off nice and easily. You've got a lovely big portal right in the middle of the screen. You fire your puck up, in you go, first screen cleared. The next one, there might be a couple of little portals around. But what there is through the game, there are a thousand different levels. And the order that go through the levels is totally random. So each time you play, you're you're likely to see different levels or occasionally you might see the same levels that you know you've played before. And for each of the levels that you play, you've got two time limits. There's a time limit whereby you need to have put all your pucks into the uh, portals. And then there's also a smaller time limit whereby you can earn a medal for doing the level quickly. So this is it. Really simple idea. Really, really minimalist design. Literally, you can imagine there's a big orange screen, a line across the bottom and some white circles. It couldn't get more minimal, to be honest with you. But that minimalism really just makes you focus on the gameplay of it. The idea of bouncing these pucks around is is fairly simple. But some of the levels you come across, you'll find, are just really infuriating. Whereas some of the levels are just open areas with just your circles in, then you get other ones that have got geometric shapes or lines dotted around the screen to make things more difficult for you. If all that wasn't difficult enough on its own, from the 20th level, and then every 10 levels after that, you have what they call a black level, where the screen goes from the, the orange that you've seen for all the other levels to a black, and then you've got a one-shot chance to hit a portal, which will be more tucked away, more um, difficult to access than all the others, with a smaller time limit as well. So you've got these really challenging levels that come along at every 10 levels to really just ramp up the difficulty a bit more. Now, as I said, there's a 1,000 levels. And the main leaderboard is trying to see how many of those levels you can do in a row without failing to do one. So you start off, you might do three or four levels when you're just getting used to it. Um, at the moment, I think I'm up to 59 levels in a row without failing one. When you get to that point, you really don't want to make a mistake because you're on this big, massive run. And uh, it can all be gone in the space of one screen when you uh, make a mistake with one of your shots. The other aspect to the leaderboards as well is to get as many medals as you can for each of the levels that you do under the medal time limit one more medal will be added to your tally so as you're going through the levels you'll notice ones you've played before and ones you've medaled before because a small medal icon will be down in the bottom left corner you know that if you enter a level and it doesn't have that medal icon then it's not one that you've done before so you're rushing to get that one done so it's that trade-off between rushing to do the level to get it in the medal time or do you take your time a little bit more and use all the time available to make good shots and get through the level so as I said, really minimalist, certainly puzzly, but actiony at the same time because of the time limits and stuff. It's um, it's quite a pressure game. So yeah, it's out now, 69 pence. Um, I'd recommend you go and get it, certainly if you're a puzzle fan, if you like to support the indies, and if you like chasing those leaderboard challenges. You can read more about the game um, over at uh, puckgame.com. That's P-U-K-G-A-M-E.com. Check it out, and I look forward to uh, trying to speak to the guys from LaserDog and uh, see what their next game is going to be as well. Okay, with those things out of the way then, uh, all we've got left to do is the Ninja Challenge stuff. So you'll remember that the last time we set a Ninja Challenge, we chose Pinball Kid on the iOS. I'll probably let this one go on a little bit too long because uh, trying to get different shows out and stuff like that, and it's all, it's all been a bit crazy. But I think it's been really good. A lot of people got involved in it. Um, I saw loads of different scores going up on the leaderboards and some people were good at some tables and some people were good at others. So as I said when I set it, what I'm going to do is go through the the leaderboard, um, add together the scores for the three tables for all the guys who took part and work out who's the eventual winner. So here we go.
Okay, so I'm going to do the top five players for the Ninja Challenge this time, I think. And uh, in reverse order, in fifth place it was Darren D5120, who got 31,450. Daz, I think you let yourself down with the third table there, mate. It's a bit of a low one. Fourth place was me. Um, I did pretty steady, I think. Uh, 36,200 points over the three tables. In third place was Gary Herbert, Lethal G-Man, with a nice score of 37,350. So, this brings us down to the big boys then. Um, usual story, these two have been battling out on all of the challenges so far. In second place, it was Richie Rich. Now, I thought Richie was going to take this because on the first hand, he set a massive score to put in about, I don't know, eighth or tenth in the world. So, um, uh, it was, I thought he was on for it. But um, he just got pipped to the post. So, Richie got 40,450 points. But in the lead, Welsh Benno, once again, 41,350 points. So H looks like uh, another game coming your way, and because uh, of this episode, and I've just been talking about it, um, I'm going to send you a copy of Puck to enjoy at your leisure. So um, yeah, well done, mate. Thanks for everyone taking part. Um, I'm not forgetting you all. You got uh, obviously Will was playing with me as well. Um, Kev was in there. Phil, you know who you are, boys. You know who played it. Terry, you're in there as well. So yeah, thanks everyone for getting involved and. Um, I thought it was a really good one. Yeah, as I say, I let it go in too long, but uh, it gave us a chance to get plenty of scores in. Right. Here we go then. The new Ninja Challenge coming your way. Okay, this time on the Ninja Challenge, I thought I'd take it away from the iOS for once. We've done lots of iOS things, and uh, it's good because we can do free games and everyone can get involved. But I want to do something a bit different, um, a bit out there, and maybe bring people back to a game we haven't played for a little while. So uh, the other day, I decided I was playing a little bit of Trials, and I thought, you know what? Why not? Let's let's do a ninja challenge on there. So, for this is a challenge for anyone who's on the Xbox. Sorry, all you PS3 people, you're going to miss out on this one. Trials Evolution is the game, and the track is Giga Track. Now, this is on I think the second or third set of tracks in the normal single player mode. Uh, Giga Track, you'll remember if you've done it, is the massive long track that. I think the gold medal time for it is something like 6 minutes, but um, I'm currently doing it in like 15. So it's a nice long track. Plenty of chances to slip up, plenty of chances to perfect your technique. So we're going to do that. We're going to play this one for the whole month of April. And towards the end of April, if you can let me know your score, send us a, a tweet us a screenshot or find a way to send me your time. I'll be looking on the leaderboards as well to see who's there. And... Um, yeah, let's have some fun with it. Let's try and put some times in and see if we can uh, get some gold and platinum medals between us. I'm quite looking forward to this one. And with that, I think I'm pretty much done for this episode. I've covered off a few things. Uh, as always, I welcome your feedback on the interviews and I welcome your feedback on the Ninja Challenges and everything like that. So you can always give us feedback on the Twitter. We're at console underscore ninjas as always. And on the email, console ninjas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, join me next time Will will be back and uh, we'll be talking about some games or Will probably will you know what I'm like so until then take it easy people and um, yeah have fun 